Take us to the river. Take us there in unity to sing the song of your salvation. To win this generation for our King. Song of your forgiveness. For it is with grace that river flows. Take us to the river in the city of our God. Take us to your throne room. Give us ears to hear the cry of heaven. For that cry is mercy. Mercy to the fallen sons of men. Mercy, it has triumphed, triumphed over judgment by your blood. Take us to the throne room in the city of our God. For the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. This is the year of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. This is the year of the Lord. Take us to the mountain. Lift us in the shadow of your hand. This is your mighty angel. Who stands astride the ocean and the land. In his hand, your mercy showers o'er a dry and barren place. Take us to the mountain in the city of our God. For the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. This is the year of the to the river take us there in unity to sing a song of your salvation to win this generation for our king a song of your forgiveness for it is with grace that river flows take us to the river in the city of our God stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song for 
the song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of endless words, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you all about you, Jesus. Amen. Our reading today continues where we left off last week in the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. We will start with verse 13. It is page 882 in your pew Bibles, or if you have a large print, it's in the New Testament, page 9. And if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? amen? Let's try that one more time. I only hear Bob over here. I know Bob's always ready to hear the word of the Lord. Uh, if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? amen? Starting with verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored. It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a, hid, on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, 
puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a, of a letter will, be passed from the, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does, not, whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven for I tell you unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of heaven the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God calling me to a deeper place you're calling me to come away this is the day that you have made to walk in your love and your grace. And I will sing to you, my King, forever and ever. I will rise up and worship your holiness. I will sing a song of your faithfulness on the mountain and through the valley. Your love will be my peace, and I will sing of your love for me. Calling me to a deeper place, you're calling me to come away. This is the day that you have made to walk in your love and your grace. God, we thank you and we praise you on this day. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit and your power this morning. We ask that you bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds. May all 
all that we do and all that we say be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. By the way, as I just started to pray, I realized that one of our church members is actually preaching at a different church. They were asked to preach somewhere else. Uh, and so I'm going to mention his name. Uh, his name's Ted Zientek. He's preaching this morning. So while you're sitting there, just lift Ted in prayer. Uh, you know, as he can overcome any nerves and he's able to, to be a blessing as he preaches this morning. So I ask that you pray for him as you're kind of sitting there and thinking uh, if you can do that. So at our reading, you know, it, it mentions a couple things that we just read. It starts by Jesus talking about how we are the salt of the earth, and then we are the light of the world. And then it gets into talking about the laws of the prophets and how uh, he's not here to erase any of the laws. Now, Jesus spent much of his time in the presence of people who were labeled as sinners, so much so that I'm sure that he had a lot of criticism from the scribes and the Pharisees. I'm sure I actually know we have it written in our, in our Gospels that he had tons of criticism from the scribes and the Pharisees because he would dine with sinners and he would sit and he would interact with sinners. And, and there were rules about that because the scribes and the Pharisees actually did see Jesus uh, as having some level of righteousness. They saw him as a law-abiding Jewish person and they respected him for that and for his wisdom until he started hanging out with all those sinful people. Once he started hanging out with the sinful people and eating with the sinful people, their hypocrisy, hypocrisy started to show and, and they became very angry and they started to, to chastise him for it. And I'm sure that he had all sorts of criticism, even more than we have documented in the gospel. But that's when Jesus turns around and he says that he did not come to erase any of the laws, especially not the laws that help people to lead good and healthy lives. He didn't come to erase any of the laws that help us to be a good civilized society. He didn't come to erase any of those laws. Instead, Jesus says that he came to fulfill the law, to teach us what the law is really about, to teach us that that in God, that the law directs us towards God, and that in God we're able to receive forgiveness. And then from our forgiveness, we're able to receive the power to have our love that comes from God and to be merciful and gracious and kind. So Jesus doesn't come to erase the laws. Instead, he comes to fulfill the law. And that's why Jesus said that we, his followers, are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. And of course, kids don't really get metaphor. I don't think that they get metaphor until somewhere around like third grade, maybe second grade. So a lot of our young little faces were looking at me pretty clueless this morning. But Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth. And salt is a metaphor for the basic foundation of all that is good. When he talks about salt, he's saying that we have within us the basic foundation for everything that is good in this world. And just think about how food tastes better with a little bit of salt in it. Uh, if you have to go through a salt-free diet, your food doesn't taste quite as good as if you can sprinkle a little bit of salt 
on it. Salt is a metaphor for the basic foundation for all that is good in this world. And Jesus tells us that we, as his followers, are called to be the salt of the earth. And our saltiness helps us to be better humans. I was told, though, the other day about someone whose grandmother was told that they needed to cut salt out of their diet or limit the salt that was in their diet because their sodium level was too high or it had to do with something else. And, and so this grandmother, she's a, you know, a good cook and she cooks all of her own food. So instead of just limiting the salt from her diet, she actually stripped it from her diet completely. She no longer had added salt into anything that was in her diet. And then all of a sudden she wasn't feeling too well and she ended up in the hospital. And you guess why she ended up in the hospital? Low sodium, exactly. And here's what I started to think about it. Jesus gives us this metaphor that we are the salt of the earth, but sometimes the world dilutes our saltiness. Sometimes we lose our saltiness and we don't have all that goodness, that same foundation of goodness in us. And when our saltiness that Jesus is talking about gets diluted, it's almost like we end up with a low Christian sodium problem where we don't have enough saltiness in us and we're no longer, Jesus says that we're kind of useless when we don't have enough of the salt that he's talking about, when we don't have enough of that, that goodness and that foundation within us, then we become almost like we are useless. As Christians, if we don't do enough good acts, if, if we are not practicing love and mercy and kindness and generosity if we are not doing the things that Jesus teaches us to do then it's like we lose our saltiness and when we lose our saltiness as Christians we kind of become useless do you know what I'm talking about now I noticed just yesterday actually uh, I had gone and I realized that I hadn't seen anything online about one of my favorite Christian comedians. I'm not going to say his name. A quick Google search would tell you who he is. But I have a favorite Christian comedian, and I noticed that I wasn't seeing any posts for him. He does these funny videos on YouTube. You know, he's always posting stuff on all versions of social media. And I realized that I hadn't heard anything or seen anything from him for a while. So I did a little quick Google search with his name and found out the reason why it breaks my heart now this Christian comedian who I'm talking about I like so much that Trevor actually got me tickets to see him not this past Christmas but the Christmas before when he said what do you want for Christmas and I'm like oh I'd love to see him I think he's hilarious you know and he's a Christian comedian so he's funny and it's clean because I don't like all that vulgar nasty stuff that's not my cup of tea and so I, I just really appreciate him he's also the same age of me which always helps because then it makes things a little bit funnier when they're speaking your own language so I did a little Google search and found out that he had canceled his tour because he had been accused and confessed that there was truth behind these accusations of, of a whole bunch of sexual misconduct. And it was like, oh, no, like that just stinks. And, and I was thinking, you know, if this, if a bunch of sexual misconduct things, it's not like it was anything that was too bad, but for a Christian, it was really kind of bad. Uh, if he was a regular comedian that didn't have the Christian title, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. I, I mean, they probably could get through that. But when you're a Christian comedian carrying the title Christian in your name, and all of your comedy acts have everything to do about being a Christian and about being in the church, and then you, it, all this stuff comes out that you've done, all this stuff that is really, really inappropriate that you shouldn't have done, that kind of goes against everything that you're talking about, it doesn't really help. 
So he wrote this uh, apology that I, let, that I wrote, and, and I was impressed it was a very open and honest apology. But in his apology, he also apologizes because he realized that when he did these bad things, as he has the label of Christian in his comedy act name, that he is a Christian comedian, that he also harmed the name of Jesus. And that's why I'm telling you about this. Because when we are Christians and people know that we're Christians, when people know that we go to church and that we sit in these pews on Sunday morning, when people know that, that we are believers, that Jesus is the Son of God, when people know that we come here and we, we encourage other people to join us and then we go out in the world and we do really, really, really bad things, like we mess up in really bad ways, not little things, we're all human, we all mess up, right? You know, we're all going to slip here and there but when we go out and we do a whole bunch of really bad and nasty things does it make the church look good no okay I'm gonna ask you that one more time when we go out and we do really bad things and everybody knows that we're a Christian does it make the church look good no uh, it's just part of the reality that we bear the name of Christ and the reality is is that in us uh, once we come to truly believe that Jesus is the son of God and we want to learn to follow him to the best of our ability we get this saltiness that Jesus is talking about put in us we get this inspiration to do things that are good and loving we get this inspiration to see people for who they are and to bless them and to care for them in so many ways we get this goodness inside of us that that it makes us want to do things to help other people we get this this goodness that's planted inside of us this saltiness that helps us to be better people do you know what I'm talking about yeah as Christians we want to be better versions of ourselves. we want to be more loving we want to be more kind we want to be more generous this isn't just me right you know what I'm talking about okay good I really really hope that you know what I'm talking about we want to be filled with all of this goodness we want this goodness to rise up in us but then the problem is is sometimes you know the world can be really really distracting sometimes and sometimes there's so much of a lack of saltiness out in the world that we go out in the world and we get distracted and that saltiness gets diluted you know what I'm talking about that saltiness gets diluted I hear people tell me all the time Maybe they've missed a, a few Sundays or maybe more than a few Sundays and they haven't been in church for a while. And then they come to me and they're like, oh my goodness, I need church so much because they feel that saltiness in them being diluted. Well, I want to tell you about somebody else. There's somebody named William Booth. Does anybody here know who William Booth is? Raise your hand if you know who William Booth is. Okay, good, even better. Oh, well, we got one. Okay, so Aaron does know who William Booth is. So most people don't know who William Booth is, but William Booth lived in the late 1800s in England. He was actually a Methodist pastor, but then he realized that, you know, he kept being put just into churches to just preach, and he realized that he wanted to do a lot more than just preach in churches, and so he started to go out into the streets because he saw that there were so many people out in the streets that were in need of God's grace. There were so many people that were quote-unquote sinners according to the judgment of others, and there were so many people that were out there, and he realized that people were so broken, that the world was so harsh on so many people, and, and so he went out there into the streets, and he realized that if he fed people or physically, then he could also feed them spiritually as well. 
so he went out there and he dined with sinners. He fed people who did not have much to eat. He took care of their souls. And as he, or as he took care of them spiritually, he took care of them, their souls as well. And so he started to do this. And as he kept doing this, and he, he took care of them physically, and he told them about the grace that comes in Jesus Christ, he actually realized that his ministry belonged not sitting in a church, but out there on the streets. And then William Booth created the Salvation Army. That is where the Salvation Army comes from. He could save souls by saving people physically as well. Booth realized that in order to follow Jesus, he needed to be saltier than the church was letting him be. In order to follow Jesus, he needed to get out there and he needed to, to eat with the people who were labeled as sinners. You know, In order to be the church, he needed to, to be a little salty and he needed to get out there and to, to share his goodness in every way that he could. His wife actually writes about how he would come home in such late hours in the night because he would be out there with people while they were in the streets in the middle of the night. He learned to help those in need, and when he did those good works and he helped those in need, he also taught them about the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. He learned that the church wasn't salty enough anymore, and he needed that salt. He needed to go out and to do those good works in order to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. So with all this, I want us to think about the reality that, that we are the salt of the earth. We all have the ability within us to do so much goodness in this world. Just think about if everybody who, who confessed that their faith in Christianity, who confessed that Jesus is their Lord, imagine if all of us who profess to be Christians were a little bit saltier. Imagine if we all decided to go out and, and to find people in need and to say, hey, how can I help you? Imagine if we saw somebody who was out there in the streets and we didn't just walk by them, but we looked at them and we saw them. Imagine if we decided that we weren't just going to take care of ourselves every day, but we were going to do our best to take care of other people as well. We would find our salty level going up a little bit more and more every day. Because the reality is that the world dilutes our saltiness every day. Every day we go out there and it just pulls down our saltiness. It dilutes us. But imagine if we started to do more good works. The more goodness that we do, the saltier that we get. <laughs> We are the salt of the earth. Our faith isn't just say, it's something that we say and that we believe, but it's also something that we do. We don't want to be accused of any hypocrisy, do we? We want to be the church. But let's be salty. Can you look at the person next to you and tell them to be salty? Do it. be a little salty. <coughs> this world needs more salt in it. Maybe not the kind we eat, but the kind Jesus teaches us about. Let's join in a moment of prayer. Good and gracious God, you tell us that we are the salt of the earth. You tell us and you teach us to, to do good works in this world. And that when we don't do your good works, that we lose our saltiness and we become useless. God, help us to be Christians who are salty. 
Help us to do your good works in this world. Help us to see people for who they are and to love them and to bless them. We need you in our lives in order to be salty, Lord, so help us to be salty. And we pray this in every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.